Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. And did you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen, did you know that uh, Tuesday has traditionally always been the day that we honor the angels, particularly your guardian angel? So a very good quick prayer to say every day, but particularly on Tuesdays, is guardian angel, defend us in our daily battles against the wickedness of the enemy, and help us to choose the option which pleases God most. Amen. It's true, Tuesday is a day devoted to the angels, so we should, we should always acknowledge them. You know, these wonderful creatures have been assigned to us, and the one that's assigned to you has no other... Uh, job really than to 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 guide you and inspire you and lead you and protect you through your life from birth until uh, death it's we're all surrounded by these beautiful creatures and their watchful care and intercession for us uh, now yesterday I was going to start talking about this very unusual a uh, man who's headed for sainthood, he's beatified. And the next step would be his can his um, canonization uh, to sainthood. And his name is Bartolo Longo. And I'm guessing most people haven't heard of him uh, because he is, first of all, he's an Italian uh, and he's from the 1800s. So he's not somebody we would have a lot of knowledge of over here in America. But... He was born in southern Italy in 1841. He was raised by very devout Catholic parents, but he experienced tremendous anguish and suffering at the age of 10 when his mother died. And this would begin his path away from the Catholic faith. This happens to many people. You know, when, when a loved one dies, people either turn really close to God or they turn really far away from God, and they blame God, and they're angry at God. Only God knows all that goes on in the realm of creation, and his timing is always best. So he grew up to be a young man and went off to the University of Naples to study law. It was uh, about 20 years later in 1861. And during this time, nationalism was on the rise in Italy, and the Catholic Church was seen as a threat to that movement. Uh, the leader of the nationalist movement was a General Garibaldi, and he was a pretty pivotal person in the movement uh, right at the top. And his one goal was to eliminate the papal office altogether. He wanted to do away with the Pope and really along with the whole Catholic Church. So Italy was also during this time seeing a great rise in interest in spiritualism and that leads to the occult. And as a result of this, universities became really breeding grounds for hatred against the Catholic Church because the father of Satanism and occult and witchcraft is, is Lucifer and Lucifer hates the church. 
So many of uh, poor Bartolo's professors were ex-priests that turned to being nationalists and instilled hatred of the church into the minds of their students. I can't imagine the judgment of somebody who left the priesthood to turn people away from God. That would be a tough one. Uh, and that reminds me to tell you, everybody, please pray for your priests. Pray for those who appear to be doing God's work well, because they're definitely under attack. And pray for those who appear to not be doing such a great job uh, because their vocation may be in jeopardy. We don't know what's in the heart of people. I'm going to get to that in a minute. So just pray for all your priests uh, and don't judge them. So uh, good old Bartolo, he, we have some writings from him, and he wrote this, quote, I too grew to hate monks, priests, and the Pope. And in particular, I detested the Dominicans the most formidable, furious opponents of those great modern professors, proclaimed by the university the sons of progress, the defenders of science, the champions of every sort of freedom. They were also the great um, champion of the rosary. St. Dominic was given the rosary uh, about six centuries earlier by a lady to, and to promote that devotion. So he becomes enchanted with the occult world. He began uh, participating in seances, uh, beckoning forth the dead, and practicing black magic. So because of his great emptiness and the pain that he really never got over from his mother's death, he was thirsting for the supernatural, but it led him to the wrong supernatural. It led him down the path of Satanism. So he wound up denouncing God and preached blasphemies against the Catholic Church and it was actively leading souls away from Christ. He eventually was ordained a high priest of the satanic order, so a satanic priest, and he promised his soul to a demon. Can you imagine? This man is on the road to canonization. You know, this, God can do anything. This should give you great hope for your children or grandchildren who've uh, left the church. Keep those prayers coming. So what happened to him? Well, this life uh, around the angel of darkness led him into sinking into an enormous depression. This happened to me when I was far from God. I went into a severe depression before my conversion. Uh, and, you know, God allows it because hopefully this wakes people up. Now, as this is happening to poor Bartolo, his family began to express their concerns over his lifestyle and the choices he was making. And then he became uh, just completely burdened with anxiety and paranoia and confusion. These are all calling cards of, of the devil. And he was afflicted by terrifying diabolical visions, and that also sent him into a cycle of declining health physically. So his family continued to pray for him and desperately sought help for him. Now, in response, there was a devout Catholic professor, somebody who hadn't uh, sold out on the faith, at the university. His name was Vincenzo Pepe. And he began meeting with Bartolo and he helped Bartolo to confront the great tortures that he was enduring. And Bartolo was convinced by uh, Mr. Pepe, Professor Pepe, to meet with a Dominican priest, Father Alberto Radonte. And after three weeks of meetings, Bartolo was welcomed back into the church and given absolution on the Feast of the Sacred Heart in 1865. 
100 years later, I would be born in 1965. It has no bearing on the story. I just find it interesting for people who like numbers. So what happened? So Professor Pepe invites Longo to live with him so that he could support him through his conversion. And he wound up introducing him to many other faithful Catholics who would serve to be companions on uh, Bartolo's journey uh, back to God and eventually home to heaven. So one of the things he realized he had to do is he sought to make reparation for his past sins by performing charitable works and warning others of the great dangers of spiritualism. And he once even went to a seance and held up a medal of uh, the Blessed Mother and proclaimed, I renounce spiritualism because it is nothing but a maze of error and falsehood. And although he's on his journey back to God, he still finds himself despairing over his own salvation. So he had trouble believing that God's mercy could be big enough to embrace him too. This is a sin of pride. So in this crazy state that was going through his brain, he got to the point where he believed God could not forgive him. And then he started struggling with forgiving himself for participating in all of these pagan and witchcraft and occult practices. And where did this bring him? This brings him to the point that he's contemplating suicide. This is always the plan of the devil to put you in complete despair where you would give up on God and choose to do something terrible. So one day, he was on a business trip in uh, Pompeii, and he observed the poverty and the ignorance of the people in Pompeii and saw that they were all entrenched in the same spiritualism. And what they would do is they would mix their Catholic religion with the superstitions of the spiritualism. This is a great problem in many cultures. I've seen this in Spanish cultures. I've seen this in uh, uh, many cultures in Africa where they're Catholic, but they still participate in these pagan uh, ceremonies and put pagan altars in their home. You can't do this. You can't. If you're Catholic, you have to be all Catholic. You can't be dabbling in the dark arts. I have a friend um, who is Catholic, and she wears the evil eye ring on her hand. And I said, well, what is that for? I said, you know, that's evil. And she goes, no, it protects me from evil. I said, oh, really? So Jesus isn't enough to protect you from evil? You need the evil eye ring? Think about that. That makes no sense. If Jesus is Lord over everything in creation, seen and unseen, how could that stupid little ring bring one drop of protection over anybody? And in fact, it's a portal drawing evil to you. You see, the devil's a liar. Everything he says, you just think of the opposite, and that's probably what's happening. So, what did poor Longo do? So one day he's out in the fields around Pompeii, and he recalls his former condition as a priest of Satan. And he says this, I thought that perhaps as the priesthood of Christ is for eternity, so also the priesthood of Satan is for eternity. Not true. So despite my repentance, I thought I am still consecrated to Satan, and I am still his slave and property, and he wants me with him in hell. As I pondered over my condition, I experienced a deep sense of despair and almost committed suicide. Then I heard an echo in my ear of the voice of Friar Alberto repeating the words of the Blessed Virgin Mary. One who propagates my rosary shall be saved. Falling to my knees, I exclaimed, 
if your words are true, that he who propagates your rosary will be saved. I shall reach salvation because I shall not leave this earth without propagating your rosary. So this becomes his life mission now, to propagate the rosary, the blessings of the rosary, uh, the benefits of the rosary, the promises of the rosary, and he does this for the rest of his life. What was the influence that he had on the people of Italy? Well, on October 7th of 1871, he became a third order Dominican, taking the name Brother Rosario. And from that day forward, he dedicated himself to restoring the people of Pompeii and their faith in God through devotion to the rosary. And he built a basilica of Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary in Pompeii. He founded orphanages, elementary schools, a technical school to give children uh, of convicted criminals the opportunity to advance in life and not be left behind. And if you have a chance and you have access to a computer or the internet, uh, Google the Basilica of Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary of Pompeii. It is spectacular. I mean, it's right up there, I would say, with all the great uh, basilicas of Rome. He also wrote books and novenas and prayers, prayer manuals on the rosary. And he died on October 5th, surrounded by all the orphans he loved and served. And these are his final words. My only desire is to see Mary who saved me and will save me from the clutches of Satan. Uh, quite a story, you know, and uh, it, it makes us have great hope for us who go through periods of doubt or despair that uh, all of heaven is rooting for you. All the angels, all the saints, the Holy Trinity, they're all rooting for you that you would one day join them there in heaven. So uh, good old Bartolo Longo, pray and intercede for us. Today, if you went to Mass, you would have read or heard in the Gospel of Luke uh, the following words. After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, Oh, you Pharisees, although you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, inside you are filled with plunder and evil, you fools. Did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. Uh, this gospel today, is, I find it pretty interesting because the fact, you know, like Jesus isn't against washing your hands before meals. He, he would have no issue with that. What he's ish, his issue is with these people is the hypocrisy. The great hypocrisy. Now, the other thing that most people wouldn't realize is the way we wash our hands today is far different than the way you would wash your hands 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. Uh, we go to the sink and turn on the hot water, and out comes clean hot water, and we have soap dispensers and all sorts of things, sanitizers now everywhere on every desk you pass. They didn't have any of that. So they were pouring water from a pitcher into over, over your hands into a bowl, and the ritual was insane. So first, they had to point their fingers up towards heaven, 
and the water would be poured, poured over their hands and drip down to their wrists, which would be bent, and from the wrists it would have to go into the bowl. But if they touched the bowl with the dirty water, they would have to start over. Then they would have to point their hands down, fingers pointing down, and they would more water would be poured over them in that direction. And then they would have to uh, cl clench their hands into sort of a fist. Water would be run over again, and they would move the water over the fist. And uh, some of the, the Jews who considered themselves to be the most devout would go through this process after each course of the meal. So you, Jesus has, is basically looking at them and saying, you're, you're crazy people. You, do you not understand that you're not washing your hands for matters of cleanliness? You're doing it out of ritual, a ritualistic uh, slant in order that it would draw attention to you so people would think, look how holy they are. They're washing their hands after every course. Not, not good, because he knew, the, he knew the intentions of their hearts. And that's why he's calling them out and calling them fools. What Jesus wants is a pure heart. Remember uh, King David, who Jesus said was, uh, God said what was one of his favorite uh, people of all, all time. He said he has a, a heart after me, I believe is the words he used for him. But this is David who also uh, fell into adultery and then killed Bathsheba's husband by putting him on the front line in the battle. So adulterer, murderer. Uh, but God still loved him because of his heart. Now, what, what did David do after he realized he had done wrong? First thing, David did realize that he had done wrong in the sight of God. And he repents of his wrongdoing. And then we know from Psalm 51, he says... Create a clean heart in me, O God. So one, he's acknowledging his heart is a mess, dirty and uh, foul. Then he's acknowledging that, you know, I can't do this without you. I need you to create a clean heart in me because I'm, I'm lowly and don't have the ability to do this. I need your grace to create a clean heart in me. You see, humility and self-awareness, when they're combined always draws down God's mercy. Always. And so that's what God's looking for. He's looking for clean hearts. He's looking for clean hearts. Now, many people, if you would ask them to think today, you say, is the general population uh, of human beings, are their hearts good or evil? Is the human heart good or evil? Well, you know, everything God made was good. But then we have original sin, which mars us. So it would depend, I guess, on which human you're talking about. But here's the thing. The scriptures are pretty clear, and this is what they say. Uh, the heart, according to Jeremiah 17:9, is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And also, before God flooded the whole world and rescued Noah and his family... This was said about man and the human heart. The Lord saw, uh, saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of his thoughts, of his heart, there was only evil all the time. So uh, that doesn't bode very well. You know, in a recent message from Our Lady in Medjugorje, she said that right now, 
We're living in the time of the most evil, the most evil time in the world. So that would mean that our days are more evil than before the flood. Uh, so this is a big problem. If we're having uh, a majority of people's hearts are not clean. This, it goes back to the importance of confession. But before confession, you have to repent, right? Um, and you can't repent if you don't think you're doing anything wrong, which goes back to catechizing the the church as to what is good and what is bad according to God. He is the lawmaker. Uh, we even have today in our church uh, cardinals who are promoting same-sex unions, who are promoting uh, all sorts of uh, variations to the reception of Holy Communion that you know currently w it would be forbidden, but this this synodal way that's happening, this uh, synod process, boy, it's reaping a lot of bad fruit. And uh, it was supposed to be a listening exercise for I I mean I don't even understand this to be honest because it <laughs> they invited people who were not Catholic to come in and share their opinions about the Catholic Church. Why? Why would we do that? You don't believe what we believe, but we're going to take your word on everything about us? Come on. Do you think the Jews are doing this? No. Do you think the Muslims are doing this? Hell no. They're not inviting Catholics to come and talk about their religion and how they should worship. So, you know, I don't know who whose idea this was. I don't know if it was the Holy Fathers. I'm not I'm not maligning anybody. It doesn't make sense to me. That's all I'm saying. But what's actually come out of this is uh, some pretty bad fruit. Pretty bad fruit. So uh, this is all a preparation for when the bishops gather uh, in 2023 for their big meeting. And who knows what'll come? Who knows what'll happen by that by that point? But we're definitely. Uh, we're seeing some strange things as a result of this process. Um, you may not even know about it because in some parishes it's not talked about very much. Uh, but every parish has been given uh, questions that have to be answered. And um, you know, it depends on who gets picked to answer those questions that determines what the answers are. So a clean heart is so important. Back to the clean heart. As I mentioned, it was uh, David's Psalm uh, 51 where he is publicly repenting by by writing that psalm that he's done wrong. Uh, so we would need some kind of a radical renewal uh, from God. That's what we need today. That's a good prayer. Radically renew mankind, Lord. Renew us. Just like David said, you know, create a clean heart in me, oh God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit do not cast me from your presence and take not your holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit that's what we need uh, and that's no small prayer we're, we're inviting god to, to have a radical change in our person and when you look at the hebrew of that phrase create, create a clean heart in me it's the same Hebrew verb that is used in Genesis 1-1 for the creation of the world. So this, this is by God's 
own hand and power that he would create this new heart in me. Uh, and he's emphasizing this radical cleansing that uh, David needed that it could only come from God. You know, it's not coming from anywhere else. And this tells us that David knew uh, the redirection of his desires and thoughts could only come about through an intervention of God and his collaboration with him. See, that's great humility right there. That's probably the reason God so loved David, for this tremendous humility. Uh, he also goes on to say, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Uh, that's the best place to start if you want to change is acknowledge the areas of your life that are sinful and ask God to uh, draw you out of them and, and to forgive you and move you to a higher place and overcome these things. Part of the reason David comes to this point is he's pretty crushed under the conviction of his offenses against God. Um, if you would remember the story, um, he had a friend, a confidant, who was uh, sort of like a prophet, who came to him and said, uh, you know, there's a story of this man who had a little, a little sheep, and uh, this rich man came in. And although he had everything and sh uh, whole uh, herds of flock, he took the one sheep from his neighbor and slaughtered it. And David was so angry to hear this. And he says, that man is you, David, for what you did with Bathsheba and her husband. So, you know, there's redemption for everybody if you so choose it. If Bartolo could be forgiven, redeemed, and then even on the path to canonization, then it's for everybody. But the first step is realizing where you're going down the wrong path. And I'm not saying everybody is, but, you know, Scripture also says the righteous man falls seven times a day. We need to have uh, hearts that are for God alone. That should be your prayer today. And uh, thank you for tuning in. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan, signing off.